This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, your essential source for high-quality vitamins, sports nutrition, and more. Welcome to The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for joining me today. I am so super excited about today's show. We're discussing one of my favorite topics, sleep. Sleep makes you feel better. Its importance goes way beyond just boosting your mood or banishing your under eye circles. It's a key to healthy living and a healthy lifestyle. And it can benefit so many other areas of your life and your health, your heart, your weight, your mind, and so much more. So if you're getting less than six hours of sleep per night, you might tend to have higher levels of C-reactive protein, which are associated with heart attack risk. If you want to learn a new language, try a new sport, or get creative juices flowing, getting enough sleep is key. I bet you didn't know that. Well, it's the truth. So besides sleeping enough, it's important to give your body time to regenerate. So slowing down your body during sleep gives your body a chance to age less quickly. So I'm not sure about you, but I'm already sold. I love the idea of sleeping well. But not everyone sleeps like a baby. So the question is, do all babies sleep well? I remember so many sleepless nights with my own kids and worked really hard to get my kids sleep trained. So that being said, joining me today is Shanna Walker. She's a sleep consultant, and yes, there is such a thing. So thank you so much for joining me today. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really looking forward to our chat this morning. Well, as you heard, I am such an advocate for good, solid, restless sleep at every age. So this show is really exciting for me. But I thought I would start with my question. So does how well a baby sleep indicate or give us some sign of how well they will sleep later on in life? <laughs> well, of course, most of us parents will define sleeping well as having some nice long stretches through the night without waking. So to answer your question, does how well a baby sleep in the early months indicate how well they'll sleep down the road? Not necessarily. Now, there will always be those babies that sleep nice stretches at a very young age and then gradually continue to do so. However, vast majority of babies will experience changes in terms of their sleep patterns, so continuously throughout their development through infancy and into toddlerhood and beyond. So there's so much at play here, cognitive and gross motor development, fluctuation in feeding needs, things such as illness, teething, separation anxiety, so many variables, odds are there will be some natural ebb and flow within your child's sleeping patterns across time. And this is not necessarily a bad thing, it's just about being aware as the parent about very normal infant and child sleep development. So laying that positive framework for a healthy sleep foundation early on can carry you through much more smoothly through the years. It, it, that's that's a really good point. So I think what most parents, and I remember myself included, I kept thinking like, why does the expression sleep like a baby not apply here? My child is not sleeping, you know, goes through these periods where he <laughs> or she is sleeping great and then up all night wanting to play. Um, it, it's one of those things where people do have to understand that this is normal for them to have periods where they're sleeping well, not sleeping well, based on what's happening in their lives. Very much so, very much so. I think the idea is when they're first born, they're quite sleepy, and then things change quite quickly. Um, and then that's when you'll see those um, little differences in their sleeping patterns um, soon after they're born. So why is it important for somebody, for a baby to sleep well? Because obviously, if you're a sleep consultant, you're helping families get their child sleeping properly. Why is this so important? We know that when we as adults have a restful night, we just feel good. So the same goes for our little ones. Most parents can attest to the fact that 
if they had a rough night, maybe some calming naps that day, chances are their child will have a crankier afternoon ahead. So not only this, but research studies have shown the benefits that come from sleep quantity and sleep quality, such as their alertness and attention, learning and memory, their behavior, cognitive performance, motor skill development, even things like their vocabulary acquisition, so their ability to learn new words. And so is this one of the reasons why it's important for um, like us to be aware of how well they're sleeping and also to understand that they don't have to sleep well every night. We just have to get them into a routine. Is that what this is about? That's right. So babies are quite resilient little beings. Um, it's not about perfection. It's about progress and the things that we can do as parents to support them in having healthier sleep foundations in place so that they can get the sleep that their body needs. And so earlier you mentioned there are some reasons why babies don't sleep well or maybe sleep their change patterns. What are some of them? So I think you mentioned like teething. How and why does Mm -hmm. teething affect how well a baby sleeps? Well, teething happens throughout mainly that first year of life and into the second year. And just that discomfort itself can be enough to prompt a child awake as they're changing sleep cycles. Um, so that's a big one that parents run into. The other things we want to rule out for some reasons why babies may not be sleeping so well are that we want to we want to look for those any underlying medical conditions um, that could be affecting their sleep quality. The most common things that I see are things such as lip or tongue ties, maybe um, enlarged tonsils or adenoids, things causing um, maybe little obstructions in their airway that are not allowing them to sleep as restfully and peacefully as they may be able to sleep otherwise. Um, The other common reasons babies may not be sleeping so well could just be something like their environment. It might be too warm, noisy or bright, a lack of routine. Perhaps it's related to hunger and there's a feeding issue at play or simply the schedule is not best suited to their age or developmental needs. And that's the most common issue I tend to see. Yeah, I think scheduling was a big thing for me. Like I I was very strict about, you know, the bath, the bottle, and then the bed or whatever, or yeah, usually in that order. But I think that maybe I was the only one with the misconception that, you know, babies are born and they sleep for seven to eight hours because that's what babies do. Is this the truth or not? That is definitely not the truth. And it is a huge misconception that I think many parents hold. So, of course, there will be some magical babies that will give those incredible structures right from birth. But most babies simply will not. And the irony is we always seem to hear about our neighbor's friend's baby that slept through the night from a week old. And then we feel like our baby should be doing the same. And it's really an unfair expectation on our newborns and also on ourselves as parents. So, like, talk about pressure, right? Um, So especially for newborn babies that are needing to feed around the clock, oftentimes night will look no different in terms of those feeding needs and how frequently they're happening. happening. So babies are actually also born without a circadian rhythm. So sporadic schedules and patterns are to be expected in the first few months of life. And there's really no need to be concerned if your newborn isn't sleeping seven to eight hour stretches each and every night. We can certainly hope for that, but developmentally, we just cannot expect it from all babies. That's such a good point. I'm so happy you clarified that because I think a lot of parents wish for that and hope for that, but it's probably not the case. So uh, I know I was one of those moms too. Now, my other Mm -hmm. question for you is, um, if your child is sleeping through the night, I was told, you know, you have to wake up your newborn for feedings. But if your child is sleeping, I was always so weary of doing this. I'm like, I don't think the child will sleep through being hungry. What are your thoughts on this? 
there's definitely something something to be said about that motherly intuition and something, you know, wanting to do something differently than what you were told, right? Like just <laughs> there, but so much is constantly changing in terms of recommendations for waking versus not waking. The general rule of thumb right now, and I always look to medical professionals trained in specifically in feeding, like board certified lactation consultants for this. So the general rule of thumb right now is to allow your baby to sleep unless there's a medical concern or concern with weight gain that you've been advised by your doctor specifically to wake them. So otherwise, it's okay to just continue to let them sleep and let them wake when they're hungry. Right. And what about naps? So like, I believe in, you know, the family sleeping at night. I, you know, like I said, I love my sleep, but how important are naps during the day? So naps are hugely important, just as important, I would say, because sleep works on a 24-hour cycle, including the daytime and the nighttime. It all works in harmony. So nighttime sleep is a reflection of daytime sleep. Daytime sleep will often look different based on how nighttime looks, and so goes the cycle. A well-rested baby in the day with some great naps will sleep much, much better at night. Okay, that's a really important thing to remember as a young parent. So they need to nap. So not avoiding daytime naps, thinking that the child is going to sleep better at night. It's the complete opposite, right? That's exactly that's exactly right. Sleep begets sleep. And the more well-rested the baby is, the better they'll go on to sleep um, in subsequent you know, sleeping periods. So yeah, that's exactly it. Excellent. So Now, do you believe that babies should be able to sleep anywhere? So, I mean, the last year has been hard because we've all been, you know, more at home. We haven't really had an opportunity to go places. But as young moms, we tend to want to get out and do things and not think that it's going to interfere or that it should interfere with a baby's napping or sleeping schedule. Do you agree with that? How do you work around it? Mm -hmm. So there's really very few should or must in regard to sleep, in my opinion. So it really and truly depends on the family, their lifestyle, their culture, their preferences. My general rule of thumb for families intentionally looking to provide some structure but still kind of mixing in that flexibility is to follow what I call the 80-20 rule. So that means spending about 80% of the time working to provide a predictable schedule, appropriate for their age, routine, that environment that has them sleeping so well. Um, And then the other 20% of the time, just wing it. Stay late for that barbecue, have a car nap on the way to the park. Life must go on beyond sleep schedule some days. And honestly, keeping some flexibility within your child's sleep can actually be a great thing. I couldn't agree with you more, and I feel like I did follow that 80-20 rule. When we come back, when to call Shanna, the sleep consultant, and get you and your little one sleeping well. This is The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 105.9 The Region or email us info at 1059theregion.com. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. Before the break, Shannon and I were discussing reasons why babies don't sleep and why routine is important, but sometimes it's hard to do it all on your own and you need to call an expert like Shanna. So when is it time to call you so you can offer your expert tips and tricks to get everyone sleeping? I always let families know that if they're, what they're doing is working for them, there's no need to change a thing. But now if you ever find yourself in a place where your current sleep dynamics are no longer sustainable for you or for your child, then let's absolutely connect at that time. And if you decide my approach is well suited to your needs or your parenting style, we can begin that journey together in, in getting your whole family rested. 
And so, like, when a couple were to, you know, call you up and ask you um, questions about your services, what can they expect if they decide to go with you? So I have developed four core support options for families with different challenges and goals for their child. So at this time, I work with families from various countries, so all of my services are virtual. I can see all consultations face-to-face over Zoom conferencing so I can really connect with my clients. So parents can expect high involvement and support, daily check-ins and communication, tons of education and tools to continue on beyond the timeline of the service to keep things running smoothly in the sleep department. That's awesome. I can't imagine. I, I wish I had known of you when my kids were younger or or just sleep consultants in general, because really when a family and babies are not sleeping, it's a real, it's so difficult to get on with your day. Now, do things change with babies, um, with families when there is a second child? Like, do you find that the dynamic changes and then maybe with the second child you need sleep consulting? I do find, I do get many parents that are on their second child and they want to do things a little bit different the second time around. Also, because you have now more than one child to juggle, you're looking for a little bit more structure and routine and that's something that I help families with that are seeking that type of support. Um, So I do find that there is a little bit of change when the second one comes around. And so back to questions about sleeping and soothing babies. Um, One of the questions that actually comes up in my own practice when I, because I treat a lot of babies and children, one of the questions is the struggle of the pacifier. Can it act as like a self-soothing item to help babies sleep better? Or is it just a no-go for any situation? What are your thoughts? So there are a few pros and cons, so to speak, to soother use. Now, the pros are studies show a reduction in the risk of SIDS, and that's a big one. So also, babies can easily satisfy their natural sucking instinct. It can be really convenient as it provides kind of like an easier sleep cue on the go in the early months. Now, the cons are around the four-month mark, many babies will wake each time the soother falls out, requiring parents to continuously pop it in all night long. And this can get tricky in terms of those long stretches in sleep. Overall, my thoughts are that the pros outweigh the cons, and ultimately, it's up to the parent to decide if it's causing them their sanity or saving them their sanity at any given point in time. That's a really good point, and sometimes it's like that toss-up, and and you just, you feel like you're willing to try anything to kind of get some rest and some quiet in the household. So I sympathize with those parents because I think we've all been there. Now, the early Mm -hmm. to bed thing. So I used to get my kids to bed you know, very early, 6.30 to 7 p.m., but that meant that they got up early, which was okay for me because I felt like at night I could get more things done and needed time for myself to regroup. Is this a good system? And if you want to shift it so that babies sleep in a little bit, is that possible and do you recommend that? Yes, I absolutely do. I am a huge advocate for the early bedtimes, and the reason is there's so much deep and restorative sleep to be had in the evenings. Um, This type of deep sleep is actually only available in the first half of the night. So if a baby is going to bed later, they just miss out on that opportunity to get it. It doesn't necessarily shift into the early mornings of the um, into the early hours of the morning. So early bedtimes are truly the key to recovering to some chronic sleep gut. So for babies that are waking multiple times through the night, it helps to combat the early issues such as or the early waking issues, pardon me, such as um, waking before 6 a.m. Um, and it serves as a great backup on like a calming nap day, not to mention time for parents to rest in the group in, in the evening as well, which is so important for us as parents too, right, to get that time. Um, for parents that are looking to shift their morning wake 
um, out later. If your child's sleeping well, you can try putting your bed, uh, your child to bed later. However, in my experience, I find it is the children that are already going to bed late that are waking too early in the morning, and you have to shift it earlier to get them to sleep a little bit longer. It sounds counterintuitive, but that's how the body uh, works. Right. So would that be one of the reasons why some babies are waking up like, you know, I, I know some um, of my own patients will say to me, you know, I'm exhausted. He or she was up at 430 and just would not go back down. Like to me, that's a very early rise, um, you know, and there's got to be a reason. So could that be one of the things that helps? Yes, absolutely. So early morning rising is technically anything um, before 6 a.m. So they're, they're an extremely multifaceted issue, typically more than one variable at play here. So the most common reasons for babies waking before 6 a.m. are going to bed too late. So either the bedtime itself is too late in general for their body or the window between last nap and bed is too large. Um, it could be their sleep environment, so it's too bright with the sun peeking in in the morning, too noisy, too warm. Um, the morning wake could just be habitual in nature. It could be hungry. There's so many uh, reasons why it could be occurring. So it typically takes a very holistic approach based on what is causing the early morning wake in order to um, to fix it, so to speak. So the number one culprit I do see for parents is, and the easiest fix is to get that bedtime earlier um, than they're currently going to sleep. That's a that's really really helpful, and in some of your social media posts, you talk about anchoring the first nap of the day. What does this mean, and how is that going to help the baby as well as you as a parent? Yeah, so by that I mean ensuring that if your baby's six months or older and they're on a bit more of a schedule now, we can anchor the day by keeping the first nap at a regulated time. So regardless of how early they happen to wake that day. This helps to keep the subsequent naps and bedtime on track rather than shifting the whole day earlier and perpetuating the early morning cycle further. So it might feel like a bit of a stretch to get them to that nap time if they woke super early, but the alternative is um, that that whole day shifts in and then it looks a little bit wonky for the rest of the day and that potentially continues on. So I think of putting baby down early, super early for nap just because they woke very early is almost like pouring cement on that early morning waking. So you really want to anchor that first nap at the regular time to keep them on track. And so a long time ago, uh, probably even before my time as a young mom, there was a theory that you should let your child cry him or herself to sleep. Um, What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so when people hear, you know, sleep coaching or anything to do with sleep support, they automatically think of you know, the cried out method, which is defined as allowing your baby to fall asleep without the support or intervention of a parent. That's a quite outdated method. I would say most sleep uh, consultants are moving away from it. Now, I personally um, know from experience as a mother and within my own practice that you don't need to um, allow your baby to cry, you know, alone, shut the door and not go back in for them to make gains. You can support your child as much and as frequently as you would like and as much as you feel they would need and still make incredible gains with their sleep because it's not just about that it's also about the schedule setting up the environment and really doing all the things to set your baby up for success and then also um, being responsive for when they need help um, with the change And it's about being patient, right, and understanding all the things that we've talked about. So like understanding, you know, if they're teething, if they're dealing with a little bit of separation anxiety, all those things are going to affect their sleep patterns, and we have to be patient, right? Absolutely. There's so much that is going on in their little bodies that we can't necessarily see and they can't necessarily tell us. 
so much development happening, um, and we need to just almost manage our expectations as the parents that uh, there, there's a lot going on, and it may be reflected in their sleep sometimes, and that's okay, and that, that actually is quite normal and healthy. That's so good to hear that it's normal and healthy. I think that's emphasis. Like we should place emphasis on the fact that it is normal and it is healthy for us to go through all these transitions and we're doing it together as children and parents. So that's a really good point. Now you also recommend avoiding like being hyperactive before bre- before bed. Uh, it makes sense, but what? let's define hyperactive because I remember my kids when they were little and they didn't stay still. <laughs> Yeah, so most people, you know, when when their child becomes hyperactive before bed, they start, you know, suddenly after dinner, it's getting close to bedtime, and then they're bouncing off the walls, they start running through the halls, they get a little bit extra silly. Um, So that would be kind of the hyperactivity you see before bed. So it sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but that hyperactivity before bed is often a sign that the sweet spot for your child to be asleep has been missed. So our child has now dipped over into the overtired zone. So when this happens, cortisol and adrenaline pumps into the body, causing a second win, and, or as it presents in many children, that hyperactivity. So again, that bouncing around, getting silly, um, and then excess spurt of energy, and it makes it harder for them to fall asleep. So to best avoid this, I recommend avoiding bedtimes that are too late for their bodies. So watch their demeanor in the afternoon, their sleepy cues into the evening as you see them. And as soon as you see them starting to, you know, get a little bit sleepy, maybe they get a little bit quiet at the dinner table, start winding them down for bed right away. Catch that sleep wave before it crashes and you end up with a really, really um, hyperactive little kiddo before bed. Oh my gosh, that's such good advice. Now, as you can see, I had so many questions about sleeping and how to, you know, get my child sleeping, what's normal, what's not normal. Can you provide me like a few specifics about a consultation? Can I call you up and have you like have a system where I ask you questions? Is that how it works? Let's get a little bit more specific about your services. Yes. So the first thing that I love for families to do is if you visit my Instagram page, which I'll provide at the end, um, you can click on the link in my bio, which will take you directly to my calendar. That way we can have a phone call, um, get acquainted, talk about your goals and concerns. And from there, we can talk about how I can support you. So I offer programs. So I can offer a four-week program, a two-week program, depending on how much support you're looking for. We can have just one-to-one consultations at a prorated option if you're just looking for, you know, minor concerns or isolated challenges. Um, So I'm able to support you as long as you would like um, and as, you know, at the intensity that you're looking for. So I have one more big question that I'm going to ask for all moms. Well, I probably have more questions, but this one has been sitting on my mind and I'm going to ask it for every mom out there. Will I ever sleep again? What can you say to that? To that, I say, yes, you will. You know, mom to mom, parent to parent. Even if you do absolutely nothing right now, your child will eventually be grown and very likely be sleeping through the night, rest assured. Now, if what you're experiencing right now is no longer sustainable for you or you'd simply like to make those changes um, to support and improve your child's sleep sooner, there's also no shame in reaching out for that support when you feel ready because those changes can happen with the right approach. It's about finding the kind of support that's suited to you, your goals, and your parenting style. And so this is so great. And like I said, I think a lot more people would benefit from, you know, being able to consult with you. But like, what would be a time frame? So like, let's say my child is a newborn and already struggling with sleep in the first couple of weeks. Is that a time for concern? And should I call you right away? Or do I wait until the child is about six months? Like, what would be the right time? And then typically, how long does it take to 
you know, kind of break down those patterns that maybe aren't serving us? Mm-hmm. So I have many families that um, are looking for support right in the newborn days. So I do have an option for that. It's educational in nature about, you know, normal and typical sleep development, how we can kind of start laying that foundation, um, what we can look out for in terms of their mi- upcoming milestones, little pieces that will let you be a bit more proactive in creating that foundation. So I do offer that newborn educational piece for those families that are looking for, you know, to get on the ball right away. In terms of sleep coaching, so for families that are looking for to change, actively change things that are happening, perhaps they're looking for independent sleep, perhaps they're looking to move from, you know, nursing to rocking to sleep, whatever your goal is, I start those pieces at the six-month mark personally um, because at that point, children are able to get on a better schedule. They're out of that newborn fog. They're able to recognize um, changes with their routine a little bit more easily. So I work with families from that six-month mark all the way up into toddlerhood and preschool age, either at the two-week or the four-week option where we can actively work towards whatever your goals are with sleep. Um, I help you to um, navigate that and I support you with evidence-based tools in reaching those goals. And so what about those parents who uh, mistakenly or maybe not mistakenly sleep with their children? So the whole co-sleeping idea, what are your thoughts on that and what can you say about that? And let's say a parent is wanting to change that. Is that possible at, at any given time? Yeah, so, you know, it's our prerogative as parents to make those decisions um, on how we want our sleeping dynamic to look for our child. Different cultures do it, different cultures do it differently, different parents decide to do it differently. There's no one right way to do it. Now, as a um, certified sleep consultant, it's my duty to recommend safe, safe sleeping practices, which of course are in the crib, alone, on their back, um, to prevent the risk of SIDS. Now, for families that are um, choosing to co-sleep, there are ways to make it as safe as possible as well. So kind of creating that crib-like environment where there's, you know, no sheets, no comforters, bare surface, um, your hair tied back in a ponytail, those types of elements that um, research should be done to make sure it's as safe as possible. For those parents that are looking to move from co-sleeping to, um, you know, into the bassinet or into their crib, I help families with their goals for that all the time. It's completely possible. And you can absolutely support your child along the way with those changes because we know those changes are, they're tough on us, they're tough on, their cho- on our children. So there's ways to support um, our child with, with big changes like that. It's definitely possible. That's awesome. I can't thank you enough. And to me, sleep is so important at every age, any age, and even at my age. So I'm pretty sure that we've helped a lot of moms out there get some answers. And if they still have more questions, how can they find you and reach you? Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I've really, really enjoyed this. And I appreciate you inviting me. Um, well, the easiest way for to reach out is via my Instagram. So my handle is um, at Modern Sleep Mama. There's a direct booking link in my bio that I mentioned where we can book in that first chat. Um, you can also connect with me directly um, at modernsleepmama at gmail.com or visit my website at www.modernsleepmama.com. Thank you so much. And you can find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Machiella or my website, ClaudiaMachiella.com. That's our show for this week. For previous broadcasts of The Wellness Prescription, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thank you for listening. The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet, serving you safely in-store, curbside, or online at HealthyPlanetCanada.com. 